I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's poppin', everybody? Happy Monday. Happy NBA Finals Day. I get it, the NBA Finals don't start for a few days, but we don't care. I'm joined by the free... Well, we together with the free man. We see how excited I am. Lost words. I'm joined by my homies, my compadres, my co-hosts in crime, Mr. Will Weir, Mr. Greg Manakis. What's popping, y'all? What's good, fellas? NBA Finals. Who would have thunk? Man, I'm, I'm feeling so good right now. I like I got home. Will and I actually watched a game together last night, Adam. Um, so we, we've been doing those playback rooms. And we decided, you know what? We need to watch this one in person. Uh, by the end of the game, we were both up pacing around Will's house, screaming at the TV, screaming at Marcus Smart. But at the end of the day, we ended up getting the dub. And um, I couldn't be more excited for this team and for everybody out there that has been on this ride all season long. Do you know what makes me happy? Do you know what makes me really, 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 really happy? The fact that Marcus Smart, like, had a nightmare three minutes, like just awful. <laughs> and we don't have to be upset about it. Like, because this dude has done so much through the season, like grew so much as a ball handler, as a, like, obviously a defender has always been there mm-hmm. as a, as an initiator, as a scorer, been more judicial. And then he kind of has like a lapse, you know, and it's back to crazy Marcus Smart that goes wild. And then all of a sudden we don't need to care too much because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, they still win, and I f- I'm happy with that because I would have hated the narrative going into the offseason to be oh my this God. Marcus Smart's fault. Let's Adam, you you should have been at my house last night. We we were in the process of having a full on mental breakdown with that exactly what you just said on the tips of our minds of this can't be the way it happens. This just can't be the way it goes down after all everything that we've been through this year from the start with, you know, kind of the disruptive start. We're not sure. We're still trying to figure out Ime as a coach. What is this guy doing? He keeps calling people out. The, you know, there's, there's seems to be friction within the team. Like we can't, you know, wh- what are we doing with Dennis Schroeder? What, what's going on here to, you know, getting over that hump into the new year and all throughout this. Marcus Smart kind of being that linchpin of seeing the evolution of of him finally getting kind of the keys to the Lamborghini, finally being, hey, you're the actual point guard. You're not just our, you know, fill-in point guard when Kemba's out, when Isaiah Thomas is out, when Kyrie's out, whoever. Like, you're the actual point guard of this team. And we saw how much of a change there was. And, you know, over the last, I'll even say it over the last two games, we saw a little bit of the old, old Marcus Smart come in. So, to your point, for us to still be able to to overcome and now we're in the finals and we can kind of put that to the side for now. It's a very good feeling to not have to come on here and have to have that whole discussion again about who is Marcus Smart? How do we feel about Marcus Smart? We're in the finals. It doesn't matter. This team's great. Over to you, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we, I think we should pause for like a couple minutes and just talk about that last three minutes. Right. Adam, can you walk us through, because did you watch that game live or did you watch it this morning? No, okay. So walk us through as you're watching it, what your takeaway was from that last few minutes. Because Will and I were together and we were, as Will said, we were melting down. Like I, w- I was literally holding on to, holding on to Will's like, kitchen countertop, just like banging my head against the granite 
was asking my yeah, Will's got granite countertops. He he lives in a nice spot. I think it's is the it granite or marble, Will? Uh, dude, I don't know. But I was I was literally like, this can't be how we lose this game. Why aren't we adjusting right now? Why are we running the same offense every single time, knowing that it's going to end up in what they want, a Marcus Smart shot? What were your thoughts, Adam, as you were watching those three minutes? I went, I'm not doing my Kevin Hart impression again, but that was exactly. It's pretty good. Oh, now, no, I'm not doing it. Um, (laughs) That was pretty much how my mind was going, just like, not like this. But at the same time, and I remember thinking this, like, because I came into this kind of like where we were, like the Eastern Conference Finals, I came into it with the mentality that we're playing with house money. So while I was definitely invested in a victory, I was also kind of like, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, and then when it's all like everything's falling apart around you, the, the world's kind of caving in. I'm like, dude, if there was ever a Celtics way to like to lose this game, this is how it happens. You know what I mean? You've you've led the whole way. You've been the, the better team in every category. You've rebounded better. You've hustled more. You've outplayed them in terms of like, you know, there was a bunch of ram screens they were setting. It was just creating wide open lanes everywhere. They've really outfought their opponent. And then all of a sudden, the last three minutes, Marcus Smart puts on his cape and everything starts to go downhill. I'm like, if this is how the Celtics are going to go out, then at least it's fitting right. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> And then, it's, uh, it's the way we all knew it was going to happen. Yeah. It was going to go it, down. This, this whole season has been building up to this anticlimactic <laughs> ending and none of us could see it coming. Like, it's shame on us, really. And then, obviously, they turn it around. Uh, Butler misses that that free. I don't know why he didn't just keep driving the rack and just try and force something. But, uh, you know, he comes up short with that free. I blame Spolstra for that because, you know, Butler didn't sit down for the entire game. That dude must be on yeah. ice right now. So... You know, I, I feel like they the Celtics got a little bit lucky, but I wasn't upset. I was more just like, dude, how did none of us see this happening? Yeah. Dude, that Jimmy that Jimmy Butler three, as he was coming up in transition, Will and I both looked at each other like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he it's like a up. slow motion look at each other, just no. Oh, man. I that I, didn't go Disney, in. Like Disney basketball movie, right? You just like yep. everything slow motion. I think I actually slowed it down because I, I was watching it on, um, on a software that I use. And um, I slowed it down to like 20, 0.25. I was about to say 0.25. 0.25. So it's like quarter speed just so I could watch that three-point shot like clank. <laughs> yeah. I'd seen it in real time first, but I had to go back because like, dude, man, that was like a... That's a shot that will live with. That's the Gordon Bombay penalty miss. You know, what I mean, that's a shot that will live with you for the rest of your life, man. You can see Jimmy Butler like as a lawyer soon, telling everyone you gotta go for the W. Yeah, and so I I don't know if you guys have watched the new season of Stranger Things yet, but in episode one or two, yeah, I'm halfway. The, okay, so it reminded me of Lucas's shot, man. Like, so Will Lucas ends up like being on a high school team. He's he, he's oh, like Str- Stranger Things basketball moments are one of yeah. my favorite things in the world. They, they <laughs> actually they did a much better job showing okay. like somewhat real basketball compared <laughs> to the last season. What was it Steve but versus um, what's the other guy's name? Billy. Steve yeah, versus Steve Billy. versus Billy in the post is one of the greatest <laughs> basketball scenes ever made. F- a five minute post up, yeah. just talking smack. No, but Lucas has a shot that's very similar to that Jimmy Butler shot in in Stranger Things, and the maybe, maybe Jimmy was crowd- maybe Jimmy was binging it. <laughs> It was like, Maybe. this is my Lucas moment. <laughs> he pulled up. <laughs> the amount of slow motion crowd reactions throughout that 
and they're also playing like Dungeons and Dragons as as that game is happening simultaneously. So it's just like cuts between Dungeons and Dragons and the game and the amount of um, you know crowd reaction shots. That's what I was feeling in that moment. Will looked at each other like four different times as the ball was in the air. It clanks off. We get the rebound. Then it goes to Marcus. We're like, oh, my God. Marcus now has to hit these two free throws. And then at the end, Adam, Max Struess gets an opportunity to shoot a three-pointer with Marcus covering him, and he kind of like flails out a little bit. So we just thought, oh, it's going to be a four-point play, but they didn't call it. He missed it, and we survived. We're going to the NBA Finals, but that was utter chaos those last three minutes. It was, it was a lot of panic. But, you know, I mean, I think it, it speaks to what a lot of the, the players and Ime talked to after the game. This team doesn't do it the easy way. They just don't. They've done it the hard way all year. If you look from the beginning to everything we've gone through to where we're at now, like, it's it's never been easy. It's never been easy. We, You know, this postseason, we, we've gotten leads. It never feels easy to close it out. We slow down the offense. It gets murky. The team comes back. And most of the time, we hold on. Not all the time, but we did last night. And that's just kind of the way that, that this team is operating. But I think, I think it was Jalen who talked about it where – he, he was saying rather than kind of like hanging your heads and in, in moments like that, they, they embrace it and treat it as a, as a learning experience. And I think that's a very different mindset for this team. When you think about, you know, Celtics teams from the years past where it, it may have had more of a, a snowball effect. This team has a certain resiliency to, you know, at different times fail in the moment, but to then learn from that moment and to, and to get better from it and to, and to move on from it. And I think a lot of that just embodies from Ime Odoka, who I fully enjoyed watching him last night during the post game. really struggled to just enjoy the moment. <laughs> he, it was so hard for him just to, to be happy. I don't know if you guys have seen this clip yet. It's, it's probably my favorite clip of the, other than anything Al related, I love everything Al related. That just brings a, like a smile a mile wide to my face, seeing, uh, seeing Al celebrate. But Ime's in the locker room. He comes in after all the press conferences. And, you know, he his first comment was like, all right, listen, we already did all the water bottle stuff. We don't need to do it. And you see Tatum on the, you know, sitting on top of a chair. And he just yells, F that. And then the whole team goes nuts and douses him with the water bottles. Like, literally three seconds later, Ime's like, all right, you guys know we don't hang hang uh, hang banners for Eastern Conference championships, right? We still got to get four more. It's like, oh my god, Ime, I'm so with you, but like, smile, my guy, and just enjoy the moment. So I thought it was really cool seeing that and seeing how much this team has embodied everything that that Ime's brought to this culture to to shift the energy as as Jaden famous. Hot, hot take, will the the reason Ime wears his mask so much is that he actually wants to smile more. So underneath that mask, he's smile. He's that's when he gets all the smiles out. And then he pulls the mask down. <laughs> that's that's his secret. He's always smiling. I mean, okay, so I was gonna no, that's I won't say that. Okay, um, <laughs> I'll tell you guys off air after. So I saw a stat that said that Udoka's the first rookie head coach to win two game sevens in a playoff uh, in a playoff series. You know, like a in the postseason. And then I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, is that a good thing? Or is that a bad thing? Because that means his his team's gone to game seven twice in the first three series. Now, nah, man, like, I like the fact that Udoka doesn't get happy. I like the fact that he's not, like, blowing smoke up these guys. He's like, yeah, job's not finished, man. Yeah. You know, you got Tatum out there wearing a Kobe armband. Uh, you know, news came out. He texts Kobe's cell before the game. So, Job's not finished, man. If you want, like, if you want to start, like, be embody that mentality, we, we're not, we're not celebrating this, dude. For one, we shouldn't celebrate because you nearly 
lost it in the final three minutes. <laughs> For two, we shouldn't celebrate because we had to come all the way down to Miami to do it in game seven when we should have been chilling, resting up. And for three, these Warriors are no joke, dude. Like, there's no yeah. time to, like, like enjoy the night, enjoy the flight back, enjoy the giving everybody a hug. We're like, oh, man, you know, we're conference champions. All right, cool. Today's a new day. Let's get this film work done. And then let's really see what this team's about. Because in my opinion, I like the matchup against the Warriors more than I liked the matchup against the Heat or the Bucks. Yeah, with the Warriors, man, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see the Celtics going up against a team that doesn't have a huge creator, right? Andrew Wiggins is probably their closest person who who is you know in the mold of Kevin Durant, in the mold of Giannis, in the mold of Jimmy Butler, and Andrew Wiggins has been great in this postseason, but he doesn't strike fear in your heart, you know. And then Draymond can't really score the ball; he's one of their bigger creators, but he's a facilitator. He's more in like the Al Horford role. And then it's just Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, and Clay Thompson. You know, and if there's anybody built in a lab to guard those three guys, it's the Boston Celtics. And historically, I, I heard some stat that the Celtics are the only team in the entire NBA that has had a winning record against the Warriors since Steve Kerr took over. So, like, historically, the Celtics just play this team really, really well. And a guy like Derek White. It's going to be really important in this series. He was great in the Miami series. I think we got to spend a few minutes talking about how great Derek White was over the last couple of games and why he didn't really play as much in game seven where Ime was just like, you know what? I, I'm playing my starting five the entire time. Uh, Grant Williams for Rob because Rob's hurt, but that's who I'm yeah. playing. <laughs> but I think with, with um, Derek White against the Warriors, it's going to be, I think that's where the Brad Stevens move of getting Derek White is going to pay its most dividends. Yeah, just just quickly to your point about the Celtics and the playing the Warriors well, they've actually won five out of the last six. And of course, you know, some of those were those in between years for for the Warriors. But if you date back to all the way to like, you know, their championship season, there are some very memorable tight games. So I think we are in for you know just a hell of a series between the Celtics and the Warriors. I said to both of you, you know, but before we we came on. I would feel a lot better if I felt confident in us getting a healthy Rob Williams. Um, you know, they talk like Rob's just clearly not healthy. He, he, he looks like he's not healthy out there. You know, Emay's openly said last night in that same clip that I just talked about a few minutes ago, you know, Emay was kind of just giving out some, some shout outs and he was like, Rob playing through the pain uh, talked about in his press conference. Like, you know, all we could get was 15 minutes. We knew that's all we were going to get out of, out of Rob. And, you know, luckily the, the final slows down. It's not every other day. It's, it's mostly two or three days off between games, except for, I think it's games three and four. There's, there's one day off. Other than that, there's multiple days between each. So maybe there's a chance we see a little bit, bit healthier of a Rob. I do think he could be a massive differentiator in this series because of the way that, you know, the Warriors want to play small and fast where Rob's big, but can play fast and can also be super disruptive when he's at his full strength. But I, I think this is going to be a really fascinating matchup. And I think when you look at the Warriors, I think, you know, basically what you're getting out of Draymond and Curry every night, even if Curry's not hitting the shot, you're just never going to let up. He could be one of seven hit four in a row. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's five of 11 and that that's totally in play. So no matter what he's doing, you're, you're still going to pay, you know, full, your full attention will always be on Steph Curry. And I feel like with the with the Warriors in this current iteration, they have so many X factors. Clay still is kind of getting his legs back. So some nights he looks like old Clay. Other nights he looks like old Clay. 
You know what I mean? Like he doesn't, he doesn't quite look the same as he did before Jordan Poole, You know, he's still young coming into his own. He can be electric on offense. He can be exposed on defense. And then Greg, you talked about Andrew Wiggins. Like he's had a great postseason, but there's still moments where, you know, he's, he, he's Andrew Wiggins, which is good, but he's not also like the guy that you want to always rely on. So it's it, it, they have a lot of X factors. Then you throw in their their rookies that they seemingly can throw out there. If it's like, hey, we need a spark, you know, we talk about this theoretically with Aaron Neesmith. That's not really a thing, but like with Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, that's a real thing. That's a real thing that you know Steve Kerr has used at multiple times throughout the season and in the postseason to kind of give a different look. So uh, the Warriors are going to keep the Celtics on their toes here, and I, I think this is going to be a, a fascinating series. I think it's going to be a long series too. Yeah, I mean, I said this before we came on. My biggest takeaway at the moment is, well, I have to, um, without doing too much deep diving yet, that's today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. But I think my biggest takeaways at the moment are you need to find a way of keeping Andrew Wiggins off Tatum. Uh, he spent most of the time guarding Luca. So for me, figuring out ways to get that, that switch, you know, Boston did it a lot with the inverted screens to get off Jimmy, but like, um, sorry, to get guys off Tatum and get Tatum onto Struess or Vincent. Uh, so they're probably going to run that a bunch, run some inverted sets there just to switch Tatum onto anybody not named Wiggins or Draymond. That would be the ideal, right? And then I think that this is a Peyton Pritchard series. I think that, you know, the, the Warriors are built to withstand guys driving the lane because they're a little bit smaller. They can get underneath you. They can draw charges. They can stunt in and out quite quickly, really pressure the ball on the drive. Whereas somebody like Pritchard that's a little bit shorter kind of matches up size-wise with someone like Steph, fast, can peel off screens and just fire freeze. I feel like that's your best way of fighting fire with fire. If Steph goes on a heater, then you want to give Pritchard some room to operate in the pick and roll and just start peeling up. Maybe off, as an off-ball guy coming off pin downs or as a guy coming off the pick and roll penetrating and kicking out. I don't know why. I've just got a feeling that I'd be willing to put you know, 10, 20 bucks on Pritchard having one or two big nights in this series. For sure. A couple things. I got I got to circle back to what Will said about the old, old clay, old clay. That Reminds just made me, me laugh. Yeah. So, Will, did, did you take that from, from my song where I say I want to be the new Kanye, but I don't want to be the new Kanye? Is that where you got that? It wasn't originally, but after I said it, I was like, I know I've heard that in a verse somewhere, and then I realized it was it was it was one of your from one of your songs. So it wasn't intentional, but but yes. Okay, <laughs> so paying homage, dude. That's like that's yeah, respect yeah. right there, dude. Yeah, right. But, right. but here's so, the thing that that, that, sp- that speaks to your lyrics that they seep into my head without me even like you know I'm not even thinking of it. It's just like oh man, that's a dope lyric. Hold on, I can make a like a like a pun on this almost with with this Clay Thompson reference. So I love that. Kudos I love that. Second thing with Rob Williams. How many games do you think he actually plays in this series? And how many are we going to get him close to 100%? Should we, as an organization, sit him for the first game, maybe even the second game, since there are so many games in between, so many days off in between games, so we get him like a legit 7 to 10 days of rest before he gets on the court? I don't know if that's going to make a difference. I don't know if it's more important just to have him on the court and then trust that the two to three days off between games is going to be enough to get him to 80%. I don't really know what's up with him, but he didn't look good at all. And it was weird that the broadcast just didn't bring up that he was dragging his leg around and he couldn't stop. He couldn't close out. They didn't mention it one time in the first quarter. And Will and I were just like, after the first possession, we were like, Rob can't move. You got to get him off the court. And it seemed like Ime was just trying to, by four minutes at the beginning of each half where he didn't have to play Grant Williams. He didn't have to play Daniel Tice. Um, so that's what he ended up going with, with Rob. 
But that's a question. I'll, I'll pause there. What do you what do y'all think we should do? And then what do you think we will do? So I thought about it this morning. I think personally we should at least sit him game one just to give him. And this is and this has been back to kind of a, a, an original point Adam made about the way that this series against the Heat went. That's when I think of the Celtics winning the actual NBA title. One of the biggest missed opportunities was not closing that out in game six to get those two extra days of rest. And I think of Marcus Smart playing through an ankle and a foot sprain. I think of Rob Williams, who I, who, you know, at that point we knew the Warriors were going to be who were playing in the finals and how big of a difference he can make that that was almost, you know, I mean, it's more important to just close out the series and win, but to get that extra rest, if you're really going to win the NBA championship, like those two days could be massive. And so with that, I would, what I would do is sit him game one. If game one, if the Celtics win, I'd probably sit him game two, knowing that your goal is to go get a split. Your goal is to go get a split in these first two games. If if you can do that without him, great. And then, you know, after that, I would just ride games three through seven. I would expect that my expectation is he plays kind of 15 minutes a game. 15 to 20 minutes and scratch and claw those minutes out of him. Um, that's, I, I would expect him to play probably, you know, unless the knee injuries get worse, I would expect him to play every game, but in a very limited role of, of 15 to 20 minutes, not being the full Rob Williams. And I don't know if we're going to play the percentages game. I mean, I, this is not the Rob that, that we saw that was second team, all defense. Um, and, and I think it's going to show more with all the spacing that you're going to see, you know, w- with the Warriors. Cause like Greg, you mentioned it when we were watching the game last night, you know, he, he can't change direction. If he goes to close out, there's no getting back into the play. He's just out of the play. So, you know, I think that could become an issue and I could see the Warriors attacking, you know, the, that advantage a little bit. So, you know, I, I think he'll play, I'm going to say my prediction is that he'll play all seven games, but just in a very limited role. What do you think, Adam? So I've got it like, how can I put it? If you'd asked me, can Rob sit and the Celtics remain competitive against Miami? My answer would have been yes, but I really don't want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that, and I said this before coming on, which I'm not going to reveal what we were speaking about because that's off-season content. But, you know, Daniel Toys to me isn't the best backup big in terms of backing up Robert Williams. Now, I do think that the ne- the series against Golden State is going to suit Toys a lot more than what the Bucks or the Heat did because I just feel like... There's going to be like Daniel Tice's greatest asset on offense, in my opinion, is how diverse he is in pick and roll. You know, he can he can pop, he can roll, he can short roll, he can rescreen. He's just got such a diverse pick and roll game that I'd be very confident in having Tice coming off the bench and getting like you know 18 to 24 minutes against Golden State, and that's something that I wasn't confident about against Milwaukee or Miami. So if you sit Rob for game one. Obviously, you're going to slide Grant into that starting five. You're going to move Horford up to the five, play Grant at the four, and then you're going to have Daniel Tice playing those backup big minutes. And I'm cool with that for one game. After that one game, like you say, if you're up, personally, I'd want to see where Rob's at. I'd kind of probably want him to be a game-time decision, but I'd want him to be, how close to 100% are you, Rob? Are you at 80%? Okay, you're at 80%. Well, we can win this game because we've just won one. So we're going to... We're going to sit you for this, knowing that by the time we go back to Boston, you're going to be at that 90, 95%. And now you're going to be super impactful the rest of the way. The downside to that is if you sit him in game one and you lose, regardless of where he's at, he's going to be healthier than what he was in game six and seven against Miami. He has to play. Mm -hmm. And I 
that's the risk you take, right? Because yeah. ideally you want to win the opening game. Every, obviously, every every competitor wants to win. Um, but if you sit him and you lose, the luxury of having the opportunity to sit him for game two, in my opinion, is taken away from you. So I do think it's a risk, but I think that you're risking it more playing an unhealthy rub than you are not playing him at all. And like I say, I think Daniel Tos would be fine in this series to back him up. Yeah, for sure. I, I I do think that with Rob, I, I would sit him game one because you could steal, as to your point, Adam, you could steal game one and then you have the opportunity to sit him game two, you know, and bring him when you need him. Like maybe you somehow win both games in, in Golden State and you don't have to play him until they win a game. You know, it it it's really interesting. Play the what, then, no. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting what Rob is going to end up doing in this series. But I, I do agree with your point about Tice. Um, I, I'm not sure... He's going to play much of the minutes when Looney's on the floor um, yeah. just because Looney's so big and he really made it. He he made an impact for that. For yeah, that he got game. 7 million rebounds in the last yeah, two games of that series. For sure. But one guy I, I do want to touch on really quickly is Gary Payton. Gary Payton Jr. is going to be back for the Warriors in the finals. And I think he's one of those guys that they're going to need to play. Like Jordan Poole, we were talking about this before we came on here, but Jordan Poole is their weak link defensively, right? And he he offers a lot on the offensive end, which would, I think, stretch the Celtics defense. But if, for whatever reason, we're targeting Jordan Poole and they need to go to a defensive option, I think Gary Payton Jr. is built in a lab to guard a Jalen Brown, you know, who's just like super physical, great hands. And if JB tried to drive at him, I mean, you saw what Vic Oladipo did to JB. Anytime Jalen tried to look him chest to chest and drive by him, Oladipo slid his feet and just knocked the ball away from Jalen. He did it like five or six times in the last three games. So I think Peyton is one of those guys that I'm worried about covering a guy like JB. I think Wiggins, as, as Adam was talking about earlier, and this is one last thing I wanted to touch on, Wiggins getting Wiggins off of Tatum. Um, I don't think... Gary Payton is going to be on Tatum too much. I might be wrong about that. I think they're going to trust Wiggins with that assignment. But to me, Tatum and, and Doncic, the way that they play, it's so different. I think when you when they couldn't get Wiggins off of Doncic because Doncic like kind of held on to the ball once he tried once he got that screen, he would try and like drag the defender out, and then Wiggins would just chase it over the top, and then that initial hedge guy would just scram back to his you know his assignment. And I think Tatum's going to get rid of the ball a little bit earlier than Doncic did. He's going to try and hit the short roll and then trust that person to make a play where Luca's kind of more in the mold of like a Rondo, right? Where he wants the ball in his hands until the pass that leads to the shot. Like he's not going to trust the hockey assist quite as much as Tatum is going to. So I, I do think the Celtics are going to be able to exploit that type of defense. If that, if that's what the Warriors go to, because Tatum, as he showed in game seven, is willing to get rid of the rock. Yeah, it's a great point about Gary Payton being being back in and just how much of a defensive force. I think I think I read earlier today per 36 led the NBA in steals per game. And, you know, he's he's just kind of like this like defensive dynamo that they can just unleash in certain points and, and kind of just you know, even if it's just for a few minutes just to give a, a different look. And, you know, he's obviously, you know, limited on on the offensive side of the ball, but that's where. You know, with the Warriors, they're always able to get away with playing guys that are that are sometimes limited if you have, you know, the Splash Bros going going at their usual rate because of what it does and how how thin it stretches that defense. 
and, and then, you know, once again, one of the X factors is Andrew Wiggins shooting, specifically Andrew Wiggins shooting. You know, is he going to be able to knock down shots? If Andrew Wiggins is having a game where he's knocking down shots, you can then play him, Draymond, the Splash Bros, and, and Gary Payton together. And so it does open up some some more wrinkles. And I think that's, that's one of another thing that kind of, Adam, we talked about this with the Heat a little bit. I, I think the Warriors probably actually have even more versatile depth in, in the sense that they can throw a lot of different looks and curve very much like Spolstra is not afraid to, to show you different looks at different times that, that you might not be expecting. So that's going to be another wrinkle that I think the, the Celtics are going to have to deal with. So I've got a few thoughts. First one, we'll start with uh, Peyton because, you know, he's his father's son, the glove. Uh, I spoke about inverted screens earlier. It's been something I've really harped on about recently. It's just been an area of focus for me because I'm impressed with how Boston have been running them. But when you've got Gary Payton on the floor, he can be such a lob threat as an inverted screen and roll guard just because he's so explosive. And that really forces your switching schemes to be completely on point. And maybe you have to do an off-ball switch as well. So you've got someone bouncy guarding him so they can get up and contest the shot above the rim, you know, a Rob Williams type guy. Maybe you ask Jalen Brown to switch on to him. Jalen's explosive when he wants to be. So I think that while he's limited offensively, he gives you a dynamic that's rarely seen around the NBA. And it's going to be, if they go to that inverted pick and roll with him as the role man looking to space vertically, it's going to give Boston a test to see how good they are at switching, how smart they are at who they switch. Because I think Peyton's good enough to be, to dunk on a few guys' heads in this series if they if they let him. Uh, so that's my thought there, and I agree, like, you know, when we're talking about versatility, Miami was built on a lot of good defenders, right? Now, Golden State was one of the best defensive teams to start the year. They, I think they were t- number one in defensive rating until, like, March. I'm not even, look, probably later than that. They led the league in net rating for almost the entire season. Um, for me, one of the things that really intre- impressed me was they're a scheme defense, right? They like you know, you can't say Steph Curry's a great defender. Clay Thompson's not a great defender, and you can go down the list. You're going to get three or four guys that are fantastic individual defenders, but they know their system inside out and they run it to perfection consistently. So, being able to target these weaker defenders the way Boston did against Miami, going up against Struce, going up against Vincent. That's obviously always going to be key, and it's going to be something they look to do against Golden State. But Golden State are so well drilled on when to rotate, when to sag, when to come up, when to stay back. It's going to be interesting to see that X's and O's battle, you know, just Tatum probe more after dribble before trusting that hockey assist. Do you have guys flashing across the baseline? And something I learned today, a rocket screen, which is simply an exit screen, but I like the name rocket screen more. So... Do you have guys flashing baseline off rocket screens more than anything else? Like just the way that Boston attacked this defense is going to be wildly different to what we've seen in the last few series where it's very much been against individual defenders rather than scheme defenders. And I think that's where teams have struggled against Boston because Boston are a scheme defense as well. Let me ask you guys a, a quick question here. Who do you think from the Celtics is going to be the biggest X factor, Greg, you, you kind of mentioned Derek white earlier when, when talking about the, you know, the spike that he had in play, you know, uh, post fatherhood, uh, in this series. And, you know, I, I think he's going to play another massive role in this, in this upcoming series as well. But I'm curious to get your guys thoughts on who you think for the Celtics. I mean, let's take out Rob's health out of it. Cause we've already kind of touched on that. But aside from, from Rob's health, 
what or who do you think is going to be the biggest X factor for the Celtics? Well, it sounded like Adam would probably lean towards Peyton Pritchard. He, you know, he mentioned Pritchard earlier in the pod and off air to me. I don't, I don't know if he's like too overqualified to be an X factor, but I think it's Jalen Brown. I do think Jalen has the size to take advantage of the Warriors smaller backcourt, which is why I think Gary Payton is so important. But I think this series is actually a great series for JB because Tatum is going to get the best defender, right? He's going to get Wiggins and Wiggins is one heck of a defender. I think Draymond is going to be trusted to guard Al Horford and to kind of take Horford out of the game. You're going to see all all those delay actions that the Celtics run. Draymond Green is going to be right up against Al Horford and taking away passing lanes can be super active on the defensive end there. So Draymond for the Warriors, I think is an X factor for them, but JB I think is going to have a real opportunity to take advantage of Steph Curry, to take advantage of Clay Thompson, who's definitely challenged uh, laterally right now. And I think JB is just stronger, more physical than anybody that the Warriors have outside of Gary Payton. Um, so I would expect JB like to kind of really cement himself in terms of legacy for the cell. If we win the, if we win the finals, I think this is going to be a huge JB finals. Yeah, I've got Peyton Pritchard as my number one X factor just because I think the matchups are going to really suit him. The other guy I've got is uh, Al Horford. I think he's been fantastic the last two series. I don't know whether, you know, whether Al's going to be super impactful in the scoring column, but I think he's going to do a lot to drag Draymond Green into positions where he can't be as impactful defending the lane, right? Like this is a $26.5 million series for Al Horford. Because right now he like he made the finals, so his contract was guaranteed for fourteen point five mil. Makes the finals, that guarantee shoots to nineteen point five mil. Win the finals, you're fully guaranteed next year. You cement. You, this is a twenty six point. Well, it's not. It's well, like, I mean, I think he's coming back either way. But I get your point. Yeah, <laughs> you, you get my point though, right? He's coming back, but like, there's always that going to be that conversation of do we trade Al and like free up that cap space? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm like, and if you're Al, you're like, dude, okay, I'm guaranteed nineteen point five. But if we just win four more games, I'm going to earn another like, what's that? six and six million just for winning four more games i think al horford's and you saw how emotional he was after making it to the finals i just think that he's going to be a huge x factor in terms of like really firing up the troops do you know what i mean that that general type of guy like this is sparta he's going to be that leonidas i just don't hope he doesn't front kick nobody into oblivion (laughs) because he won't be available well if he does maybe just hopefully the refs don't catch it but uh no <laughs> but I'm I'm with you that Al Horford is going to be a huge X factor in this. I, I think it's between him and Derek White is is who I would lean as the as the number one X factor for Derek White. It's it's can he hit shots? Because I think you know both him and Marcus Smart are going to be left alone at different points where the Warriors yeah. are going to dare them to hit shots. So I do think it, at certain points it'll be make or miss for the two of them. With Al, the other part, especially when we look at you know we're unsure of how healthy Rob's going to be. Um, we, we expect Tice to get probably some some more minutes in here, but the Warriors are a very good offensive rebounding team, much like the Miami Heat. Both finished in the top 10. The Heat were fifth. Uh, Warriors were sixth, both at 9.8 offensive rebounds per game in the regular season. You know, Celtics are not a good rebounding team. That's That's been the case all year. The best defensive team in the league, not a very good rebounding team. You know, Al's always been a guy throughout his career. He's usually around, you know, more like eight rebounds a game, you know, somewhere in that seven and a half to eight and a half range. But you know, he, he averaged 10 rebounds over this last series against Miami. He had 14 last night in game seven. I think him on the on the defensive and offensive glass is going to be huge because with the Warriors, when they get offensive rebounds, what do those always lead to? 
easy threes that they can kick it out to. You do not want to give the Warriors second chance opportunities where Steph, Poole, Clay are getting easy looks. So I, I think Al on the on the defensive and offensive glass is going to be a big part of the series, especially if he's the main big man for the Celtics, if they're not going to have Rob Williams available or available at full strength, I should say. I was waiting for somebody else to jump in. <laughs> I, I was just, I just saw your, your, your comment in the private chat. Yeah, I was just like, I'll wrap it up. Uh, I've got somebody uh, just spamming the comments as well right now saying, what up, what up, let me know, what up. Is this okay. actually somebody, co? Yeah, you see, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, everybody, that's going to be us for today. Like, you know, I feel like usually we come in with a game plan. Before we came into this episode, my outlook personally was, we're just going to talk because... It's the finals, baby. Conference finals, champions. That's what it is. Let's go. I said this at the end of the last show. I'm going to say it again now. Please start a petition. I will pay for flights if the Celtics give me tickets. Make it happen. Go on social media, at me, at the Celtics. Let's get it going. I'll pay for the flights, no problem. I'll go to Boston, no problem. I'll be there tomorrow, but the Celtics have to fund the team. Yo, Adam, real quick. I know we got to get out of here, but should we each give this? We got the three man weave together here. We may not have the three man weave together again before the finals tip. Boston. Should, 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 Greg. Wait, what? We're going <laughs> to. <laughs> I like that you, that you missed it. So Adam knew where I was going with this. I would say last time we're going to have a three man weave together before the series tips. Adam's got Boston in six. What's oh. your prediction? <laughs> I miss I miss that completely. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna so I, I said this before Game Seven, Will. I said I think the reason why we had to win Game Seven in Miami is because we're gonna have to win Game Seven in Golden State, and we had to go through that experience of seeing what a Game Seven was like on the road. So I think Celtics in Seven, we win at the Chase Center. Same brain, my friend. I got Celtics in Seven. They don't make anything easy, and they don't duck no smoke. Celtics in Seven. Celtics in six. Right, <laughs> I'm only joking, y'all. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. As usual, share it on socials. I'm speaking very fast because I got to go. Um, until next time, we'll be back on Wednesday when we'll still be ahead of the, the series, but we'll do more of a deep dive into what to expect, what we're looking for, and what we're scared of. Until then, we hope you're all staying safe, enjoying your time being a conference finals championship fan because that's what you all are. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Will. It has been a glorious time reminiscing about a wonderful, wonderful experience with you, both. <laughs> Same, brother. Peace out, everybody. Cheers, brother. Disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the major. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. This ain't everything I am. It's something that I 